Praise God. Well, very quickly, I want to update our uh, church family outside the sanctuary on those uh, couple of announcements uh, that I went over at the beginning of the service. We want to let everybody know that uh, we are going to have an outdoor cookout and barbecue and fellowship at my home and on my uh, hobby farm, if you want to call it that. Uh, Praise God on Saturday, May 30th, Memorial Day weekend. And uh, so we'll get details out on that, but we are going to have a huge cookout, side items, outdoor activities. Uh, We're believing for great weather and kind of get to celebrate a little bit of victory, amen, and restoration of fellowship. And so it'll start at 11 a.m. May 30th. Everyone's invited. We'll get uh, directions out to the house and uh, we're going to have a great time on that. Also, the other thing I mentioned was Sunday, unless the Lord leads differently, we are going to have a testimony service. So we're going to have praise and worship. Uh, we'll receive our tithe and offering. And then I'm going to turn it over for people to give testimonies because God has done so many miracles and wonderful things for individual families and people uh, in almost every arena of life. Divine protection, healing, deliverance, um, restoration, financial miracles, all that kind of thing. So uh, we're going to Open up the mic, and if you have a testimony, we would love to know about that uh, so that I can kind of plan how, how much of the service we'll use for that. But that's, that's kind of my heart and my plan for Sunday morning. And again, we'll have an in-person service, open up our sanctuary doors, and we'll have a great time. And uh, glory to God. So uh, we wanted to let you know that. Amen. Well, I want to invite you tonight. Let's get in the Word. How about that? Amen. Hallelujah. Praise God. To be able to preach to you and see the whites of your eyes. What a treat for me. And, you know, I have to say, God, God has used the live stream. He's used the TV stuff, and, and we've broadened our reach. And I know the gospel's being pumped out online in a greater intensive way than it's ever been. And, I mean, the gospel's just out there saturating the planet. And for that, I am, I am great, uh, grateful. Uh, but it's not the same to me. Not the same. And uh, so we're just thrilled. We're just thrilled. So we're going to be in Numbers 13, and uh, uh, that's where we'll start, and then Numbers 14. Thank you so much, Brother Scott. Appreciate that. And let's pray one more time. Let's get in faith. Father, God, as we come into this moment, we use our faith. We are looking to you. We want to hear from you. God, thank you for that office of the pastor. God, many prophets have said in the last days there will be such a revival. One of the aspects of this end time revival will be that the fivefold ministry offices will come into the fullness of their anointing and potential. We're reaching for that tonight. Uh, Because the, 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 the more we attain under the fullness of that pastoral office, the better off we all are. We just so thank you for utterance tonight, for revelation to flow that you're speaking through me and that you're quickening their hearts. You're speaking to them about, you know, you're speaking to them while they're sitting under the voice of their pastor about maybe stuff unrelated to what I'm uh, talking about, but they put themselves in the right position tonight. They're going to hear something that they need from you. We just so thank you that we will be forever, ever changed by what we hear. And God, we intend right now to be doers of the word we hear. In Jesus' name, amen. You know, James said, I love to bring this up as I get ready to minister the word. James said, it's the faithful doer of the word that is blessed. Not the one, hearing is so vitally important. But if you don't do, it still doesn't matter that you heard, right? 
And so, I just as I was waiting on God today, and um, you know, very aware that God had us before this whole thing broke out. He definitely set us on course on a topic in these Wednesday night services on faith. And uh, you know, on Sundays I've been preaching on living free from fear, and I'm probably going to stay on that. <laughs> I was talking to my friend, Pastor Dennis, and uh, this is not an indictment on any particular, I don't have any individual in mind, but I'm just shocked and a little disappointed in the body of Christ at the level of fear that we as a body of Christ fell for and yielded to and reacted to. And uh, what's the solution to that? Well, we just need to preach on it. You know, we, we need to, you know, and I, I, I remember Brother Copeland, Kenneth Copeland, years ago, God told him, I want you to launch an all-out war on fear and do your part to get it out of the body of Christ. So, you know, if we had knew his ministry back then and, you know, like I did, and I'm probably somewhat guilty on this and only paid about half attention, well, then we could be behind because had we followed God's timeline, we would have waged a war on fear a long time ago. And it would have been completely driven out of our life. But we are where we are. And God loves us. Like we sang, that may be the title of my message. You may have given me the title of my message tonight. Uh, Drowning Your Fears, praise God. And, uh, but anyway, tonight, this afternoon waiting on God, I, ha- I had a phrase, a quoted phrase just begin to come up and then it rolled around just repeat over and over and over again in my heart as I studied, as I prayed, as I walked around this afternoon. And that phrase is, you could write it down or uh, just remember it, is if you don't, God won't. If you don't, God won't. And when I heard that the first time in my heart, I thought, well, I think I know a little bit about what that means. But I've learned enough, I don't want to you know, act like a know-it-all with the Lord because he knows far more than me. And I knew he had something he wanted to get over to me, and I believed for us, about what he meant by that. And so if you don't, God won't. Now, I want to reiterate, pay attention, listen to me close. When I say God won't, I, I don't mean that God, because you don't, he goes, fine, and I'm unwilling. That's never God's heart. It's not a matter of will. God just says, I cho- I'm not. I could, but I'm not. You know, knowing what I know from the Word, and what I'm going to share with you tonight, when, when the phrase says, if you don't, God won't, it means He won't because He can't. He wants to. But He won't. Why won't He? Because He won't violate His own Word. He won't violate His own laws. He won't... He won't undo and manipulate his own principles to fit a child of God that just won't. And so that's the title of my message tonight. If you don't, God won't. If you don't, God won't. Now again, what what is God trying to say to us? Well, I believe that, you know, God, and I know God desires to bless us all. I mean, shower us with blessing in every area of our lives. He wants every aspect of our lives from our health, our spiritual lives, our callings, our careers, our destinies, our families, 
our social life, our financial life, our mental life, our emotional life, everything to have the wonderful, sweet odor of God's fragrance of His blessing. And He wants, He's jealous to put that in, to make that be the condition of all of our lives. And yet so many of us, aren't we? We just have to you know, readily admit, so many of us, including me, in some areas, are falling well short of that description. So the question then is, why? If God wants to, if He desires to, why? Well, because we have a part to play. Amen? We have a part to play. And so I, I came across this quote today in my study from a great man of God named Reverend uh, Charles Capps. And I know I never got to meet uh, Reverend Capps, but I know I would have loved him. Because though he was an internationally known speaker, minister, and teacher, author, and pastor, I, I know his nature. He's from uh, Hope, Arkansas, the same little town that President Clinton came out of. And all throughout his international ministry, still maintained a little congregation right there in a little country community in Arkansas and farmed his land. And then flew his own airplane around and preached with Brother Copeland around the world. Great man of God's in heaven today. And he made this quote. Uh, he said, God has done all he is ever going to do about your healing. He has done all he will ever do about your finances. He has done everything he's going to do about the devil until the end times. Now what does this great man of God Mean, what is he saying? Well, you probably know, but I'll tell you. What he's saying is, is that God saw our lost condition thousands of years ago, and he launched a plan of restoration and redemption. And eventually he got his son into a body of flesh. Come on, who qualified himself through multiple tests of the devil and went to the cross to become sin. Amen? And to become, according to Galatians 3.13, to become the curse. And the curse, of course, is threefold. It's spiritual separation from God. It's not having a legal right to come to God and have a relationship with God. That's part of the curse. Uh, tragedies of every kind is part of the curse. Sickness, disease, premature death, that's part of the curse. Poverty, lack, and all that that entails is part of the curse. And Galatians 3.13 says that Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law. And so he paid this horrible price. He, he even descended uh, soul and spirit into the heart of the earth and suffered in hell for three days and three nights until God gloriously raised him up from the dead. Come on. And seated him in heavenly places at the Father's right hand. Amen. And then God moved and inspired upon ministers. And we have a completed uh, canon of Scripture that is inspired by God full of promises. That have already been given, blood bought, and paid for. And so that's what Charles Capps means when he said, God's done all he's gonna do about your healing. God's done all he's gonna do about your finances. He's done all he's gonna do about you being scared. He's done all he's ever gonna do about the devil. Come on. Until the end times, when the angel comes down and locks him up in the abyss. Now, it doesn't mean that God's not ready to act. It doesn't mean that God's not ready to move. But what he means by that principle, what we've been talking about, is it's your turn. Yeah. 
It's your turn. Jesus did the hard part. He carried the heavy load. And now it is your turn, believer. It's my turn. And if we don't, He won't. If you and I don't recognize that Jesus already carried the, 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 the water for us, He already confronted the devil. He's already stripped the devil of his authority as it relates to you. He has already, come on, uh, rendered him powerless to harm you in any way. He has already given you the blood. He's already given you the name. He's already given you the book. He's already given you the angels. He's already given you the promises. He's already given us the Holy Ghost. And if we still insist on having this traditional mindset that if God wants me to have blessing, He'll make me have it. You, He won't. He won't if you don't. <laughs> Are you getting this tonight? And so in thinking about this and hearing God talk to me about this, you know, one of those things that comes up is what is the thing that we must do that if we don't do, He won't. One of those things is having faith. In other words, if you don't have faith that the devil's defeated, if you don't have faith that by his stripes you're healed, if you don't have faith and develop your own individual faith in give and it will be given, and my God shall supply, then you're not taking your turn. And God only moves in turn. And so if you don't, he won't because he can't. Y'all are with me. Yeah. Hallelujah. And so, gosh, this one of the things that my eyes as a pastor has been awakened to just so much more clearly is we must, child of God, you must, I must master the faith life. We are, I mean, I am so convinced of the soon return of the Lord. I, I, it's just you got to be not paying attention. To not see the book of Revelation beginning to be laid out in the, the, you know, I'm not saying we're in it. We're definitely not in the tribulation because if we're in the tribulation, you know, the rapture, you know, I'm not going to be here when the tribulation starts. So I know the tribulation is not yet, but the stage, oh my gosh, you just have to be, I don't know where you've been if you cannot tell that the stage is being set for the final confrontation between all that is good and all that is evil. And the return of the Lord is at hand. And as last day saints, the thing that is going to ensure our safety, not just our survival, our, th our thriving, our flourishing in difficult and dark times, is that we master the faith life. Men, thank God for all your abilities, your skills, and your hard work. Don't keep doing it, but don't trust in it. Add to all of that a mastery of believing God. A mastery of faith. Get good at it. Start where you are and be intense about it. Really take hold. And you know, I think about the statement Dr. Jacobs has made in my presence, in my hearing, I don't know how many times. I think about my faith every day. I think about, are you thinking about your faith every day? You need to think about your faith 
every day. And what he means by that is I'm developing my faith every day. I'm feeding my faith every day. I'm using my faith every day. Every day. Amen? But then I want to add something. And that is, you know, I, I see that there's got to be, and there's so many more, but three paramount issues or things that pertain to God and being a Christian on this planet. They've always been true, but they're just more true in this day and hour than they've ever been. That we must do or He won't. We must do or He won't. They are paramount things that we must master and excel in. Number one is living in the will of God. Living in the will of God. You cannot accept anything less than living in the center of God's will for you. It's dangerous to be outside of His will. It's always been dangerous to be outside of His will, but the more dangerous the world becomes, the more vital it is that when God looks down on your position, He finds you in the center of His will for your life. Because if you aren't and if you don't, He won't be able to bring you His highest and best. At whatever cost, at whatever inconvenience, at whatever you know, suffering your mind has to go through. Amen? Amen? You do what you have to do to set aside your flesh, all of the habits, the weights and sins that have held you back so far, and get yourself into the center of His will. Right? I could meddle and preach and probably should and do all kinds of things, but I mean, I mean if you're in a marriage, that's God's will. Because God's a covenant keeper. And if it's rocky right now, that's the will of God. Don't leave it. Don't step out of it. It's too dangerous for you. Too dangerous for you to make that mistake. It's too dangerous for you if you know the will of God is tithing for you to stop. Don't care how bleak things might look. Don't care what thoughts are coming to your mind. If you've neglected to do something that God has put in your heart to do, get after that. Pursue that. For many of us, we're called to raise families, enjoy marriage, live life, be good neighbors, witness to the lost, and serve in the local church. That's, that's the basics. That's the basics, right? Some of us have some additional responsibilities like myself. Uh, others, deacons, you know, other people, people especially called of God, will have some extra things that they're going to have to do. And, uh, but, you know, for the vast majority of the body of Christ, it's raise your family in the things of God. Keep your marriage pure. Uh, let, your, let God be glorified in your family. Be a light and a witness to the lost in your community. And get in and help your pastor in whatever the vision is as much as you can. Amen. And, uh, you know, it almost feels like to me that we're going to need to rebuild our helps ministry from scratch. And I know that that's not really true. You're, many of you are itching to get back to serve. And I appreciate that. But we're going to get back to it, right? So the, this is the first paramount thing, is pursuing God's plan for your life at whatever cost. Because if you won't, there'll be a lot that He... If you don't, there'll be a lot that He won't 
because of that issue. The second thing is develop your faith. Talked about that. Got to be, got to be. Right? I mean, what's going to happen when the government runs, finally runs out of paper? To get trillions and trillions and trillions of dollars. <laughs> I don't know, but I'm going to be fully entrenched in the kingdom economy when that happens. <laughs> I'm not putting all my treasure where thieves and you want to put it in the stock market. I mean, praise God if you're, God leads you to do that all there. But you want to talk about thieves. Man. They can make that electronic, electronic money disappear like that. Where'd it go? Nobody knows, but it's gone. <laughs> right? And uh, we need to develop our faith for finances, for protection, for the angels to get involved, all of that. Number three, the third vital, vital thing uh, is being led by the Spirit. Being led by the Spirit. And I'm just kind of thinking out loud to you sharing my thoughts. As a last day Christian, living on the precipice of the trumpet sounding, with maybe a few years left that God might give us as a window in His mercy to preach the gospel to those who have yet to receive it. I don't know how you're going to make it if you don't begin to excel and really make some progress in learning how to live in the center of God's will Walking and living by faith and being led by God's Spirit. So that's kind of what we want to talk about with our, with our remaining time. So amen, I, I want you as your pastor, I'm urging you. And I know many of you, are you, you've been in the university of, of faith and, and coming to church and learning and growing and, and you're not in the beginning stages. Uh, but some of you may feel like you are. And that's okay, don't be scared. What God needs to be able to do for you what He wants to do is to see from you a commitment, a dedication. I am going to serve God with the time I have left. And if that costs me, if I'm a young person, that costs me my coolness with all my peeps out there, so be it. I may only have a few years left to make my mark on the earth, and I'm going to be part of this prophetic young generation that walks in signs, wonders, and miracles. <laughs> and I'm going to live holy, and I'm going to live clean. Amen? Amen? Praise God. For some of you, you heard messages on faith, but you haven't really gone home and done much with it. Don't beat yourself up about that, but pastor's just urging you. Really pay attention. Go home and go, hmm, okay, Father, talk to me about what he said there. Faith comes by hearing. Hmm. And chew on that and meditate on it. Even though you've heard it a thousand times before, there's something you're missing. There's something maybe you're not doing. There's something you want to tweak. Something may God want to add to what you're doing. And then, oh, about leading, being led by the Spirit. So many Christians suffer disaster on different levels because they failed to be led by the Spirit. Dr. Jacobs tells the story about his uh, precious mother-in-law. And Pastor Diana always said, that, yeah, my mom loved him more than me. <laughs> and uh, praise God. And, uh, but she, she got to where uh, she needed such a knee replacement on, on one of her legs that she really couldn't get around good without that surgery. And um, 
they had moved her in with them anyway. And, uh, you know, she brought this up. I think I'm going to have this surgery. And Dr. Jacob said, listen, Mom, do it if God tells you to do it. Because if God tells you to do it, He knows. Because she was, she was aged. You know, and that's a, that's a major deal. A lot of rehab. Things happen in surgery sometimes. Just in the natural, you want to be led. He said, and Mom, listen, I want to tell you, don't think you need to do this because you're becoming a burden to us. We'll put a lift in. We do whatever we need to do to accommodate you. You are not hindering us whatsoever. Well, long story short, she, she had the surgery. She had complications. She spent 40 days in the ICU. She never regained consciousness and she died in that. Was that God's will? No. What was missed? The right leading. Doesn't mean she's bad. But see, we must become proficient. Because God wants to steer you away from every danger that's out there. Spiritual, solical, physical, financial, in every way. He does not want you to make a business decision and lose everything. Much of uh, the Terry inheritance, it will be restored sevenfold by God. But it was lost uh, because, you know, Papa, I call him Papa, uh, you know, there were so many family farms in western Oklahoma that, that he either inherited or had been able to buy and, and take care of. And then one, I think it was one remaining, huh? Neely, sorry. Uh, you know, one family farm he wanted to acquire. And uh, so he went to the bank and he acquired it. But you know, you've got to watch those bankers and their fine print. And he didn't. You know, he's a very successful businessman. I'm not knocking him at all. But in this thing, they talked him into a variable rate interest deal with everything he owned as collateral. And the moment he did that, the bank started jacking up the interest rate, ratcheting up so high there was no way on earth he could take. They took everything. And he had to leave his land and leave his farm and leave his oil wells. And all of that was lost. Why was it lost? Not being led skillfully. Would God have? So far that's affected the wealth of their daughter Cheryl. The inheritance that Amber in, in, was in line to receive. Her brother. God will restore it as we believe Him. But see, there's great loss. Great loss. Papa, don't mean pick on you. You're helping us tonight. <laughs> Amen. But notice, all of those years of success, all of that sacrifice, all of that tilling and taking care of that land, all of those good decisions erased by one wrong move. could happen to any of us. God would spare us marrying the wrong one or, you know, uh, in making an investment that costs us everything. But it takes being led by the Spirit. You with me? You got a little more time? And uh, so the interesting things is you can separate these three vital areas, living in the will of God, pursuing His plan and purpose, developing and living your life in faith, skillfully, and being led by the Spirit. But if you think about it, they are all linked together. Absolutely all linked together. 
For the Spirit, the way the kingdom of God and the way His laws work is you have got to have all three of these things clicking in your life. If you get a hitch in your giddy-up in any one of these areas, you're going to throw a monkey wrench in the engine of your spiritual life. And if you don't, God won't. What am I talking about? Well, I'm telling you the will of God is so important. Now, if you just get bullheaded, and I can get bullheaded too, but if you just get bullheaded and say, I don't want to do that. I'm not even interested. I've got a dream. I've got a plan. I've got an agenda. I'm going to do that, and I'm going to ask God to bless it. Well, you can do that if you want to. Many have. Many have tried. There's not a single one that that's worked out very well for. God cannot put His blessing on your rebellion and stubbornness. I'm not looking over here. Hallelujah. He just can't. See, so if you don't, He won't. But here's, what, here's how these things are connected. So I, the will of God for me is over here, but bless God, I'm just, or I just got neglectful and I kind of wandered over here. That's easy to do. You didn't really mean to. You didn't mean to consciously rebel, but you didn't stay focused. And life happens. And all of a sudden you find yourself over here and then sickness comes. And you know about faith. So you go to using your faith. A lot of times it'll work, but the older you get, the fact that you're trying to use your faith while standing on the ground of disobedience hinders your faith. And people are going, I'm believing God. This faith stuff don't work. No, it works if you'll do faith in the will of God. <laughs> so do you see how those two are tied together? And how do I get into the will of God? You're going to have to be led by the Spirit. So, you know, this is just to give you a little bit of an example in my life. You know, you know the story about how, you know, we had a home and then thankful for that home. But God had had stirred in our hearts for several years while we were building this building. God's got something better for us. And uh, so eventually we got a leading that it was time. And Amber found the property. It, it had everything that we had dreamed about and wanted. Everything except the basement. So we'll get to dig that eventually. Uh, but really, everything on the list other than that, this, this place had. And so we set out to believe God for it. We knew, man, we knew it was going to need our faith because it was beyond our ability, the natural. Well, how do I know that I can have faith for that property? Because the Spirit of God led me and her, and that makes it the will of God. And God always quickens and graces you to have faith for what's His will. You can believe all you want to, that my wife's going to leave me and marry you. And I know none of you are dumb enough to have that thought. But Brother Hagin told a story about a guy that actually came to him and asked him to get an agreement in the pray the prayer of agreement. Because he liked a girl in a choir that was married to another man. Is God going to give... Now, you have scripture that you can stand on in faith for a mate. But does that mean you just get to pick any mate you want? 
especially one that's already hitched and already in a covenant with somebody else, that's foolishness. Like I said, I know none of you would be dumb enough to have that thought. But it's a good example to let you know that if it's not God's will, you're not going to have faith for it. But see, if it is His will, he's, man, you're going to have faith for it. Faith begins where the will of God is known. So these vital components of our spiritual life are intermingled and they work together. You know, God calls you to the ministry, but you just never go into the ministry. You just make all kinds of excuses and decades go by and you just never do it. And you're over here trying to work the principle in faith of sowing for a harvest. And it doesn't work like it's supposed to work. Are you all with me? Praise God. And so, what am I saying? If we don't get in the will of God, He won't be able to do for you what you're really going to need Him to do for you in the days ahead. If you won't or don't develop your faith outside of this room, if you don't give forth some effort other than coming to church, right? To develop your faith to receive finances, to develop your faith uh, to live in divine protection, to develop your faith for every vital area of your life, then He won't be able to manifest in these last days the promises you read about in the Bible. Because a lot of Christians, they make the mistake of seeing it in the Bible and agreeing with what they read in the Bible, and they call that faith, and they think God's going to do the rest. No, 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 sweetie. You can see healing in the Bible, but that doesn't mean you have faith to receive it. You have to do the work of developing your faith meditating in the Word and cultivating a relationship with God and sowing those promises in your heart until they become a part of your innermost being. And then you have faith to receive that particular promise. But if you don't, then He won't. We better read a scripture before we leave tonight. Right? <laughs> And I have several. So in Numbers 13, we're going to have to condense down. But this is just what happened with the children of Israel is such a vivid example of what can happen, of what God won't do if His people won't act in turn. If they won't uh, stay in His will, that's going to cost them. We're going to see that. If, if they won't have faith in Him, that's going to cost them. If they turn away from God's voice, then that's going to cost them. And it did. You know this story. So God had delivered this first generation, this generation of Hebrews out of Egyptian slavery. He has brought them through the wilderness. He has shown them His miracles. He has been feeding them out of the sky. People get concerned when there's not anything on the shelf. At least there's a shelf to look at. They had a desert. They had a desert. God's got a lot more to work with around here to get us food. But if all of that was gone, God could just rain it out of the sky. He is God. He had caused water to come out of the rock. He had drowned the most powerful army and its leader. And maybe one of the greatest miracles other than the resurrection as He parted the Red Sea and then drowned the enemy. 
They dwelt in the midst of God's manifested presence in their campsite every day and every night. And they've taken this journey through the wilderness to the banks of Jordan. Where they should be. Have they been, have they been are they in the will of God? They are. So far have they been, you know, heeding God's voice enough? Now, God, God had already decided to kill them and wipe them out and start over with Moses two or three times, but thank God for intercession. Thank God for God's mercy. And that's you. We're not at where we are in the will of God without a lot of mercy either. And, uh, but here they are, in the will of God, having been led by the presence of God and the voice of God to the brink of the ultimate plan and purpose that God had for that generation, which was to possess the promised land. That was the plan and purpose of God for that generation. You think God's going to give them the faith, even though it's a big project? We slaves, not practice warriors. They got walled cities and giants. But it was God's will. What makes it right for those Israelites to believe and to take a land and a city and a wall and a house that somebody else built, a city someone else resurrected? What gives them the right to believe God for that? The fact that God said, the fact that God said, I've prepared that place for you. That is your land. Get over there and take it. Hallelujah. And listen, this is just part of the journey, friends. You're going to come to the brink of a significant thing in the plan and purpose of God for your life. And it may be that all you see is impossibilities. How in the world is God ever going to get me from here to there? Listen, if you've been led by the Spirit, if you're in the will of God, all you need to do now is believe. Do these three vital things. And so God had commanded in chapter 13, verse 1, the Lord spoke unto Moses, saying, Send out men that they may search the land of Canaan, which I give unto the children of Israel. Every tribe unto their fathers shall send a man, every one a ruler among them. And then he begins to name them. So he sent out 12 spies, you know this, uh, a leader, a representative from each of the 12 tribes was named. Skip all the way down to verse 16. These are the names. And he named them. Then verse 17, Then Moses sent them to spy out the land of Canaan, and said unto them, Get you up by the way southward, and go up into the mountain, and see the land, what it is, and the people that dwell therein whether they be strong or weak, few or many, and what the land is that they dwell in, is it good or bad? Just describe it. It goes on and says, you know, bring me back some fruit of the land if you can, and all of that. Now that was their assignment. Moses never said, go, check it out, come back and tell me whether or not we ought to do it. You know when a leader, I don't know why I'm saying this, but when a leader gives you an assignment, stick to the assignment. Don't stretch the borders of what you were authorized to do. Moses wanted intel. And I can't even really see where God told him to even ask for that. He just said, send men spy out the land. 
He gave some legs to that by saying, hey, bring me some of those grapes. I want to know what kind of people are over there. Do they live in tents? Do they live in walled cities and strongholds? What are we dealing with? He did not say, come back and let me know. I want your opinion and your counsel about whether or not we ought to go forward or not. But you know the story. That's exactly what they came back and did. They gave their little report. It said, oh, the land is great. It's everything God's been talking about. Man, it's rich. It's got trees. It flows with milk and honey. But there are giants in the land. And the people be stronger than us. And there just ain't no way. And I'm just giving you, I know you didn't ask me, Moses, but we all, we got together, 10 of us, and, and I don't know where Joshua and Caleb were, they were over getting a Starbucks, but we had a meeting without them, and we just came back to tell you we ought to forget the whole thing. Because they're big over there, and their swords, swords are long and sharp over there. And, and they be giants, and we be as grasshoppers in their sights. And we are not able to do it. Moses didn't ask for that kind of opinion. Last thing you want to be responsible for is deflating your leader with your doubt and your unbelief. Thank God those leaders were strong enough to recognize the doubt and the unbelief. So we get over into uh, chapter 14 and it says, And all the congregation lifted up their voice and cried. Now you know you've said the wrong thing when you make the congregation weep and cry and get all upset. Because that's never God. God has always got a song. He's always got a promise. He's always got the answer. He's always got your healing. He's always got your way out of bankruptcy. He's always got your deliverance figured out. It is so vitally important in a a ominous time when these people were facing a monumental task and great dangers ahead. And it's just so important that you maintain a good report. But they didn't do that, those ten spies. They gave an evil report, and all that night the people wept. Verse 2, and all the children of Israel, they murmured and they complained against Moses and against Aaron. And the whole congregation said to them, Would God that we had died in the land of Egypt. Would God that we had died in the wilderness. Men, I know there's sometimes there's a temptation to look back and long for yesterday. And yesterday wasn't that great, my friends. Come on, I'm telling you, what's ahead of you is greater, far greater than anything that's ever been happened to you. Paul said, forget that stuff. All of it. The good, the bad, the victories, all of it. Press on to the things that lie ahead of us. Yeah, thank you. Praise God. God's being good to us. And, uh, and I haven't forgot you out there. I, I, I hear you. I, I see you out there. My, my faith. Glory to God. And uh, so they're looking back, verse 3, and wherefore the Lord had brought us. Here's why. Here's what they came up with, verse 3. God has brought us into this land to kill us. (laughs) You know you're under pressure when you start saying out of your mouth that God brought you where he brought you to kill you. You kind of forgot some important stuff. Like God is love (laughs) and good. (laughs) He's got a good plan, remember that? (laughs) But I tell you what, sometimes people get so overwhelmed with what they're looking at. That dumb stuff. You ever had some, I'm talking about me, you ever had some dumb stuff come out of your mouth while you're looking at some intimidating circumstances? Well, what do you do, Pastor? Well, you do what I did, and you say, sorry, God, I repent. That was doubt. That was fear. 
That was unbelief. And I repent. Please forgive me. Don't strike me down. No, he's not going to do that anyway. <laughs> and, uh, and so they said, we, we, we need to vote in a new captain. Let's go back to Egypt. And there wasn't in Egypt to go back to. God laid that waste. <laughs> and Joshua, the son of Nun, and Caleb, the son of Jephna, which were among them, searched the land. They rent their clothes. They spoke unto the company of the children of Israel, saying, The land which we pass through to search it is an exceeding good land. It's trying to bring them back to the real focus, the plan, the purpose of God. I love verse 8. If the Lord delight in us. Come on, brother. It might be rough for you right now. But if you're his child, listen, he delights in you. He delights in you. That means, what's that mean? That means you've got his favor. You've got his grace. God is on your side. That's what Caleb's trying to say. Listen, you guys take heart. Get your eyes off the giants. Get your eye on the land. Get your eye on what God's bringing us into. That's good stuff over there. I'm sure Caleb, he already had his castle picked out, a big giant living in there, living in an extra California-sized bed. And Joshua, I mean, he stretches out on that bed, and the footboard is five feet away. And he's like, man, this is going to be sweet. <laughs> you know, so he said, listen, guys, if God delight in us, listen, you need to stop, does he? Maybe some rough things have happened during this season. God still delights in God still delights in He delights. Say, say that out loud. My Father, He delights in me. The thought of me thrills Him, lightens Him. He delights in me. You've got to believe that. You've got to believe that. So because if the Lord delight in us, Caleb said, then he will. I underline that today. Who will? He will. That's where the mistake is made. We're in the will of God. We come up against, we're led by the Spirit to an impossibility. God led Amor and I to that farm and it was impossible. Possible based on where we were right then. To have that place and have that home. Impossible. But see, what you got to get off is it's impossible for me. But I'm not the one that's going to bring us in. I'm not the one who's going to do everything that needs to be done to get to Cody, to get that place in the Cody's name. He did it. He will. You don't have to heal thyself when symptoms come. You're not the healer. You are not the healer. You get all right up going, how am I? Oh, what am I? You know, whatever that is coming against your mind. No, sweetie, he's the healer. He's your physician. He's going to do it. And faith knows he's already done it. All he needs us to do is receive it. Because we know it's his will. Amen. And y'all enjoying this? We're almost, almost finished. Praise God. Thanks for the extra time. And uh, he's like, yeah, back to normal. He's preaching long, but hallelujah. I'm having fun. Yeah. So he says, he will bring us into this land. He will give it to us. A land that flows with milk and honey. 
Only rebel not against the Lord, neither fear. I'll have to. Neither fear ye the people of the land, for they are bread for us. (laughs) They are bread for us, their defense is departed from them. You mean because God delights in us and that land is His will? Come on. God's already taken their heart out. The heart to fight, the will to fight was already gone. Rahab the harlot told them later when Joshua did finally show up over there in Jericho. He said, we've been waiting on you, man. Our hearts fainted before you. We heard what God did against those Egyptians. We were ready to throw in the towel. We're just waiting for you to come across. See, but the devil had them believing a lie that they couldn't. When all the while their enemy was already ready to lay down. God delights in you and every enemy you'll ever face. If you'll stay in God's will, use your faith, be led by God's Spirit, your enemy, their defense has already been removed from them. Your victory path has already been laid out. You just got to walk it out. You just got to walk into that better marriage. You got to walk into that better finances. Walk. Come on. Move forward into better days of health and power and anointing. Hallelujah. And he said, uh, the last part of that in verse 9, that would be a really good verse, those two verses, 8 and 9, maybe to meditate in. Uh, He said, fear them not. Twice in that verse, he dealt with fear. Twice he dealt with fear. What keeps people out of the will of God sometimes? Fear. What, What draws people out of faith into doubt? Fear. What would cause someone to reject the leading of the Spirit? Fear's one of them. And the Lord, in verse 10, but all the congregation bade stone them with stones. In other words, they would not be persuaded. This is bad. They're in a bad way now. They would not be persuaded to change their mind about it. They are scared. They are fit to be tied. Right? And they are not going to be persuaded. They've taken up stones to stone their leaders now notice this, this is kind of funny and not. And the glory of the Lord appeared. This has happened to them many times. Man, moment they start complaining. Shoom. Presence of God shows up. Oh man, we in trouble again. <laughs> and they were. And here again, Moses said, God said to Moses, I'm done with them. I'm going to wipe them out with pestilence. And I'll make a greater people out of you from them. Think God not in a hurry. He'll wait for all those little peeps that come from Moses to grow up. And another generation do what the generation before was supposed to do and have. I want our generation to possess all that God wants us to possess. The Lord said unto Moses, how long will this people provoke me? How long will it be ere they believe me? How long does God have to wait for you to begin to trust Him? I'm not saying you don't. I'm just asking. I'm just talking. (laughs) for all the signs which I have showed them, I will smite them with the pestilence and disinherit them, and I will make of thee a greater nation than they. And then, of course, Moses uh, intervened. But, you know, they provoked God. See, if you see this principle, and I'm closing. If you won't, if you don't, God won't, because He can't. He got them out of Egypt out of Pharaoh's grasp, 
delivered from their army through all the dangers and impossibilities of the wilderness and the next obstacle they saw, they're ready to go back to griping. You've got to train yourself to be a good soldier. You're going to confront one enemy and you're going to take that ground and you're going to win that battle and you're going to get a drink and wash your face and resupply and put some fresh ammo in your gun and then you're going to go again. And you're going to go again. And you're going to go again until God calls you home. You're going to go again until we win every battlefield and every victory there is. Come on. There ain't no quitting. WHC. I'm not going to let you. Not that you're thinking about it, but I, there is no quitting. Go all the way. We're too close to the end. We're going to see Jesus soon. Don't quit now. <laughs> Amen. Don't get the chip either. That's another sermon. Don't get the chip. Don't let him chip you. They had God's will. They were led by the Spirit. But in the end, it takes all three. You can be in God's will, have been led by the Spirit, but if you're not willing to use your faith, they were not willing to use their faith. They would not be persuaded. Man, they rejected God's voice. They rejected God's audible voice. They rejected God's voice through Moses, who was their pastor in that, in that setting. God, through their high priest, their prayer warrior, Aaron, they denied that. Caleb pleaded with them, pleaded with them. Joshua pleaded with them. They would not be persuaded. You want to know why they never entered in? Because they refused to listen. You have to listen. To the voice of God's Word, of His Spirit. And you've got to learn to recognize when God is speaking through another human. Yeah. When Moses was speaking to them, it was God yeah. speaking to them. Not everything I say to you is God, but you know what I mean. When I'm under the, when I'm under the anointing. Amen. I'm just saying, praise God, check it, judge it, pray about it. Don't throw it away though. Amen. I know many of you live this lifestyle, but I, I just really was stirred strongly in my heart about, you know, going forward our future. There's so many things that, you, that are still needful and that we grow in. We need to talk about and learn. But these are three vital things. I don't know. I just don't know how you're going to make it. Just to be honest with you, to the end of this last day before the rapture. If you're not willing to get in the will of God for your life and stay there. If you're not willing to develop your faith. Because you're going to need it. And if you're not willing to learn how to be led for yourself by the Holy Ghost. So how about we work on that? Amen. 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 Father, we just so thank you tonight for the word, for the spirit. Glory to God. Father, we're pressing into new days and greater heights and greater accomplishments. Father, I still believe this is the year of the double. You're going to give us double for our trouble. <laughs> You're going to restore double wealth. According to Zechariah chapter 9, around verse 11 and 12. God, I still believe what you told Pastor Nancy is still true. 2020 will be our best year yet. It will be our best year yet. I still believe <laughs> what, uh, what uh, your servant, your son, Reverend Jerry Seville prophesied. I still believe 
that this is the year of supernatural increase and manifestations of that increase supernaturally that we have never experienced before. We still have it in our mouth. We still believe it. God, as we conclude this first in-person service in a while, thank you. Thank you, Father. Thank you for this community of believers and the call that is on us collectively. I just pray again through it all, Father, that by your grace, not one of the sheep that you have given to me will be lost. Not one. If anything, we'll be added to. We'll be added to through this period of time. I thank you, Father, for a fresh anointing to come on these, your people, those here, those watching. (laughs) Yes, Lord, a fresh anointing to come upon them. And that, God, you'll continue to just have us by the hand. Not take us by the hand, but just you already have us by the hand. Help us to become more skillful in walking out the will of God, living for your purpose, walking and living by faith, and being led every day by your Spirit. We thank you for this in the name of Jesus. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. Well, as we sign off our live stream and our podcast, our website, all of that stuff, we love you. Praise God. Uh, If you're feeling better, whatever, you can make it on Sunday. You feel comfortable. We're all good in here, right? So we we got room for a few more. Bring somebody with you. But other than that, we love you. Love you all in this room. And uh, Sunday's Testimony Sunday. But uh, praise God, we'll, we'll let you be dismissed. Have a great evening.